Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe, and I hope everyone is having a, a lovely weekend and staying cool in this bizarre warm weather that we're experiencing. It's kind of like another, I guess, one of their silly little heat domes that they're messing around in the skies, and you know, it just feels so unnatural. Like they, it feels like they're taking, which they are, if, especially if you, as I'm reading through Alana's book and understanding what they're doing in the skies but it feels like it's like a kid remember those kids that would have the magnifying glass and then they would shine the the light the beam of light from the sun onto those poor you know, poor ants and insects that weren't doing anything and just minding their own business but they they get fried underneath the the magnet and the hot beam and it's the concentration of the hot uh, beam from the sun kind of feels like that like it's being underneath a magnifying glass and we're being cooked that's and i think in a way that's kind of what's been happening um especially as i'm reading through the book which i'll continue with in a moment but before i dive into uh, chapters seven to nine i just wanted to say that uh, i just want to give my moment of gratitude i am grateful that even though these times are are, are tough and uh, they seem or they feel very uncertain. I am glad to be alive at this time, and I'm glad that uh, we have this uh, radio show, or I guess right now just a podcast. Glad to still see the bees out pollinating flowers and birds and just being among trees. And there's a lot to be grateful for, even if the world seems a little bizarre and topsy-turvy right now. And and with that being said, as part of the show, I'm going to, I know I said I was trying to complete uh, a lot of Freeland's book last podcast during our interview. And uh, right now I've, I've gotten up to chapter nine. So I, I read between chapter seven and nine, which I'll talk about today. I didn't get a chance to finish the book just because I am a bit of a slow reader. And it is also... It's a bit of a longer book as well, which is actually it's a good thing because there's a lot of very good information in here and, you know, it gives a lot of pause for thought. There's lots of really good footnotes, like Alana's book on geoengineering, transhumanism, how the environment has been weaponized by chemtrails, electromagnetism, and nanotechnology for synthetic biology. And if you're just tuning in, this is the first time you're tuning into the show, it's the uh, Alana Freeland has written uh, a three-part trilogy book uh, or a set of trilogy, sorry, a, a trilogy of uh, of work. Uh, it's three parts, three books, and all of that, uh, all of which talks about geoengineering, uh, how the how our skies, how our food, how our environment has been weaponized for synthetic life. Uh, Alana's first book is called Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. The second book in the Geoengineering Trilogy is Under an INI Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. And then the third book, which is the one I've been currently reading and talking about, is the Geoengineering Transhumanism. Uh, and the full title for the third book is Geoengineering Transhumanism, How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetism, and nanotechnology for synthetic biology. And just for um, abbreviating, I'm just going to refer to Alana's third book as Geoengineering Transhumanism. Uh, but that last bit was its full full title. And you can find those books. I'm going to link those books in the show notes. And they can be found on at the Rudolf Steiner, or they can be ordered at the Rudolf Steiner uh, book bookstore in Seattle and I believe that's the only where that's the only place where you can find the colored version of Alana's book. I have the black and white version myself. I bought that from a independent bookstore in Canada called Banyan Books and Sounds. Now I'll link that to in the description if you are uh, listening to this from Canada. And then of course it is also available on the, you know, Evil Incorporated, Amazon if you uh, and but those books the those books are all the black and white version. You can only get the full color version from the Rudolf Steiner book uh, bookstore in Seattle. And 
Uh, last last show, I had the honor to have Alana as a guest come onto the show and talk about uh, a part of the geoengineering, uh, the weather and you know all these little nanoparticles in our bloodstream, and as well as uh, talking a little bit about Rudolf Steiner and consciousness, because that was I felt that's really important, and I still feel that you know once I uh, finish with this book, another book I have on. Or the next book I'm going to be talking about is the Hilo, the Helographic Universe, uh, talking about like quantum physics and how, you know, the rules of physics changes at the quantum level and and, and holograms and so on. So I've heard this book. Uh, it's a book that's been uh, recommended a number of times by uh, Alison McDowell, who's a researcher, and I'll have a link to her um, blog, Wrench in the Gears, and she's done a lot of work on talking about, also talking about what's going on um, in terms of like blockchain and what they're doing with cryptocurrency and blockchain and what they're doing with, um, also what they're planning to do with synthetic, synthetic technology or synthetic biology and smart cities and education and social impact bonds and what they want to do with kids. And so it's it's a really important blog. Allison's research is very important and I'll link that in today's show notes as well. But today, just for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to be focusing on uh, the chapters I have read, which is from 7 till 9, or 7 to 9, and next week I'm hoping to have finished the book, and if not, then there'll be another part, and then, you know, maybe I'll have the book finished either next week or or the following week, it depends, because uh, sometimes I just get kind of busy during the week, so I don't always get a chance to read as much as I want, but I try and make the effort to put in time to read and, you know, uh, reduce the amount of time I'm on technology or interacting with my computer and technology and stuff. Okay, so the the, the three chapters I'm reading today or uh, reviewing today, so it's chapter, it's chapter 7, 8, and 9. Chapter 7 is Eyes in the Sky. It's, it's a continuation of the, how they've kind of the last chapter was talks about how they've the powers that shouldn't be are weaponizing space for control and transhumanism and it talks about um but it focuses mainly on remote viewing and the brain computer interface which um before I kind of really go into it a bit it's they now have the t- they have the technology to or they are working on developing the technology was very close to monitoring our frequencies and our brain waves and using that to that information to their advantage to manipulate our thoughts, our feelings as both individuals and in a community and this is going to be made worse uh, by 5G. And I'm going to talk about more of that in just a moment, but I just want to go over the chapter just to kind of give a brief synopsis of chapter 8 and 9 as well. I have the book in front of me. Uh, and then chapter 8, the architects are back building their, I think they're Nevas. I think, I hope that's the the right uh, word for it. And it's about, it's talking about smart cities. Because then after chapter 7, Alana Freeland goes into the second part of the book, which is about surviving the smart city. And in that uh, Alana Freeland talks about how the smart cities are really dual-use, um, you know, managed communities for controlling and managing people. And I'll go more further into that in a moment. And then I just finished Chapter 9. And Chapter 9 is more about smart cities. So it's the, and it, again, it goes into the dual-use of smart cities and and how they're also armed cities and they're armed not just not with you know I think it's they're not armed with traditional assault rifles and, and pistols although I'm, I'm sure those those weapons are there they're more armed with directed energy weapons and lasers optics which fall under directed energy weapons uh, chemicals biological weapons and so on like there's it's and this is kind of a point I want to really make to listeners that it's, I think it's really important to kind of get away from just thinking of warfare in the kind of 
I guess maybe the historical sense where you have two armies on a battlefield going at each other or maybe World War Two, where you have two armies still going at each other but with navy fleets and air force and uh, army and tanks and so on and all this really heavy artillery and toward and, and moving towards how that slowly began to change even starting with World War One with the use of mustard gas how that changed to include or to move more towards biological, chemical, and directed energy warfare, and as well as warfare kind of with the mind and propaganda. And that kind of represents Aquarius in a way. Uh, when, I think it was back in December 2020, if I'm not mistaken, but we had a conjunction with Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius, or and they were both conjunct together and so with Saturn moving into Aquarius so Saturn is uh, Aquarius's traditional ruler uh, now is a co-ruler with uh, Uranus but before Uranus was discovered Aquarius was ruled by Saturn and Saturn is one of the four planets that make up the military and it's kind of like the higher the higher up military it's the brass it's like it's the generals it's it's not your 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 foot soldiers, and it's not the intelligence part of military. That would be more Libra, but the Aquarius Aquarius moving in or Saturn is more of the like the overarching I think the overarching organization of the military, especially the higher up area of the military. And with Aquarius representing, it's an air sign, it's not a water sign. I know sometimes, because it's called the water bearer, that sometimes you know, people may mistake it as a water sign, but it's not. It's an air sign. And with it also being ruled by Uranus, the, you have the you have electricity and military kind of coming together. And especially technocracy and especially like a technological oligarch combining with the military and and now the military because before Saturn went into Aquarius Saturn was in Capricorn and during that time we saw a lot of land-based wars like World War One and World War Two were very heavy land-based with air and sea offering more of a supportive role than like the main role now that's kind of changed now because Saturn is in Aquarius, war has moved to the air, and it's moved towards electricity, uh, directed energy weapons, the mind space, which is also something that Aquarius rules. The Aquarius also rules um, a spacecraft. Uh, I guess the UFOs, or maybe I think in terms of UFOs being more our technology, because the powers that shouldn't be have technology that's a bit more advanced than ours. You know, we kind of get like the, I guess maybe the hand-me-downs of the stuff that they're developing in secret. So it's more, so yes, there are UFOs, but they're probably more so us. And then there's also, there are plasma beings as well. And Alana Freeling talks about that in her book. Um, and they would also fall under uh, Aquarius as being, you know, kind of a, unique uh never before seen aircraft and entities so with all that being said i think it's really important especially as we move moving forward to just remember that the nature of warfare has changed now it's in the mind space now it's in cyberspace and and i think developing a language and developing our own vocabulary through studying and and, re and researching and reflecting on what you know, directed energy weapons are, what lasers are, what optics are, photonics. I know that's a lot of like science words, but if we leave this to the experts, yeah, we won't we won't have the ability to survive and navigate through these smart cities. So it's really important to, I think it's really important to study, and read, and even this review that I or a brief review, because it's only really three chapters, that I, I do of Alana's book isn't enough to give her book justice or to give the information in her book justice. I think it's 
you know, trying to find these books or trying to find other books on similar topics like Arthur Furstenberg's Invisible Rainbow and understanding all the health effects and health implications of this tech of this technology. Because again, Aquarius also rules convenience, but there's also a dark side to convenience. And we have these devices that are marketed as convenient and making our lives convenient. Um, but the cost of that is not only our privacy, but it's also our health, our, um, you know, and our ability to maybe even our, or not maybe, but, you know, our ability to remain human is at risk as well. And it's not just human beings, but all living beings. So it's just food for thought, especially as we uh, kind of move through these strange times together. So chapter seven of Alana Freeland's book talks about the brain machine or brain mis- machine interface, BMI. It's also called the brain computer interface, BCI. And it kind of talks about how through these devices, the power and 5G and eventually 6G, these devi- these powers that shouldn't be uh, want to kind of create this hive mind within human beings. Like they, they're studying the no, they call it the nosphere, but it's also very similar to uh, the morphic, morphic pagenic fields. Pardon me if I mispronounced that right, that wrong, but it's um, it's a body of work that Ru- Ru- Rudolf, sorry not Ru- Rudolf, uh, Rupert uh, Sheldrake has created that talks about morphic the morphic pagenic morphic genetic fields and how that's kind of related to the world world imagination that uh, Carl Jung talked talks about or the world soul and how that's basically it's kind of like how we're all connected to each other like yes we have our own individual minds our own individual uh, thoughts and feelings but they're still those are also like like they're not they're not separate from other people they're they're we're still part of each other like we're still connected on an energetic level. So it'd be kind of a, a useful analogy would be like the city block that we're on, like the city blocks, uh, that would be kind of like the, the nose sphere or the morphic bigenic field or uh, the world, I think it's called the world imagination or world soul that Carl Jung spoke about. But then each individual house on that block in the neighborhood represents us so we still have like a little portion that's kind of us as individuals uh, but then we're still connected to a greater whole as that's what the nosphere kind of says and i think i'm just going to refer to this from now on as the nosphere because i'm struggling with the other word <laughs> uh but they know this they've been studying it if you you're not sure you've never heard of it before i think it's princeton that studies the nosphere and I can leave a link in the description if anyone's interested. But they are studying uh, collective consciousness with the idea to control our collective consciousness. It's not about helping human beings or helping us to uh, ascend or you know heal, helping us to learn to heal and be take responsibility for our actions and and the planet and so on. Or, t- or helping us to find our place among the cosmos. It's helping. It's about control. It's about transhumanism, and it's about harvesting our energy. So if they can control the collective unconscious, the hive mind, which is what they call it, and that's where you kind of that's where you get the hexagonal, the hexagonal in- imagery because a lot of these guys uses they use a lot of symbology, and symbology is also something they become very familiar with. And they use hexagons as a symbology because it's it, it comes back to the hive mind, like the, the beehives and the honeycomb. So they use that analogy of honeycomb or the the, the symbol of the honeycomb to show how we'll each, while we're part of a hive mind, we'll each have our own little honeycomb, but they're they're locked in with each other, like they're they're part of each other, and. And I've seen that imagery all over the place, like the hive mind cafes in my own city. I see the imagery of uh, 
of like a 3D block, but if you look at the 3D block in a certain way, it kind of looks like a hexagon. And so that's how they use their symbology to depict this this brain-computer interface that they want to, uh, or that they're actually working on and putting us, or they're working on putting in us through all these nanoparticles and the, um, you know, the injections and stuff like that that they've given us, and with the goal of creating this BCI, this brain-computer interface, so that they can then have control over the hive mind because what they can do is they can use our individual uh, brain and our individual frequencies to monitor our thoughts and feelings and then they can also um, include their own thoughts and feelings in that, right? Because from what Alana was saying in this chapter is that each of us has a unique frequency, kind of like our fingerprint, but it's an energetic fingerprint. And when when they have that, they can use 5G and use Internet of Things and eventually the Internet of Bodies to uh, keep track of that and to uh, manipulate that. So what they could do is because if they know they, ha- they have our frequency and if they know that, let's say, we're having a bad day or they know that maybe we're, <laughs> we're not cooperating, we don't want to... We don't want to go with their agenda and stuff. What they could do is they could beam down from their satellites because they do. They have tons of tens of thousands of satellites that they're they're actively putting up into the sky, which would be which is part of this network that they're building, this five G network that they're building to completely encompass the Earth in this space fence lockdown. So what they could do is they could beam down a frequency, or they can beam down you know, these thoughts and feelings down into our minds and have us thinking thoughts that actually aren't our thoughts, but it's thoughts that they've put put in our minds. And that kind of comes to uh, another point that I want to bring with this age of Aquarius that we're in, especially with, like, the push to turn us all into the Borg, like, just how important it is to be able to discern our thoughts from thoughts that maybe... I mean, it may not necessarily be the powers that be, but maybe it's thoughts and baggage that we've picked up from other people that we think are ours, but it it's actually belongs to someone else. But we just we just give it free free rent in our minds, and then also just separating our thought, trying to discern our thoughts from the powers that shouldn't be thoughts. And I don't know if this is helpful. Uh, what I've been trying to do is just monitor my own thoughts, like, are my thoughts being kind to myself and others, or are my thoughts about being, like, mean, am I, you know, why am I, if I'm feeling sad, like, why am I feeling sad, is this coming from me, or is this coming from someone else, like, I think it's really important, like, meditation, and just learning to observe, or, like, maybe step back and observe our thoughts, and our feelings, and just learning to uh, discern between ours and what may be the BCI or what may be the world brain is, uh, what do you call it? <clears throat> Alice McDowell's talked about just being able to discern that. I think that's going to be really important because as Alana Freeland said, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is done. Like it's, a lot of it is already in the process of rolling out. Like as everyone is still stuck on the health narrative, like the, a lot of this technology, they're just, they're bringing it out now. It's already been built. Like a lot of the smart cities where I'm at, or the smart city hubs, they're already a lot of them are already built, and they probably have sensors all over the place. So it's it's a matter of learning how to navigate through this and how to develop our consciousness and remain human beings in the midst of these smart cities. In the midst of, in my last show, you know, talked about with Anna Freeland, these these spider beings that. Uh, Rudolf Steiner talked about like this is it like we're in it like this is what he was talking about um, but I think that's going to be really important is developing the ability to discern our thoughts and feelings like are they ours or do they belong to someone else and 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 the powers that shouldn't be they know that uh, oh what do you call it 
uh, I think it's telepathy. Yeah, telepathy. They know that telepathy is real. They know that we have the ability to transfer thoughts to and from each other. You know how you have that, that spooky moment where you're thinking of someone, well, maybe it's not that spooky, but you're thinking of someone that you haven't talked to in a long time, and then you receive a phone call from them. Or maybe you see receive an email, or sometimes you see each other in a store on the street. And you could say it's a coincidence, or maybe it's because that person also picked up our thoughts, and you know there's kind of a quantum entanglement going on there. And they know this, and they've they've been studying it. The CIA's been studying it, or the Alphabet Soup has been studying it. They do. They've done work with remote viewing. They've done work on the astral level so you know we just got a lot we just got to catch up that's all and it requires some studying and and reading which I'll keep emphasizing over and over again because it's so important uh, so that's what chapter 7 like the overview of chapter 7 talks about is how is the BC is the brain computer interface and kind of how that developed out of remote viewing because remote viewing uh, was a precursor to the brain-computer interface, and that's where um, you know, people who have maybe some clairvoyance and empathy have been utilized to detect the presence of other people or to track other people. I think that's a very simplistic notion of remote viewing, but out of that came the brain-computer interface, so now they don't need to have a remote viewer anymore they just need to have satellites and 5G to do this. Uh, and I'm not sure th what the best way to interfere with that. I mean, I guess you could use aluminum foil around your house, but if they really turn up those the energy, then they could just cook it, cook you on the inside as like a turkey. So sometimes, I don't know, might be good for the low stuff, but if you're dealing with some high, high energy, I don't know if how useful aluminum foil would be, but it is really good for the low stuff. And it's still good for if you don't have one of those uh, bags that blocks your cell phone signal, uh, you can still use aluminum foil to wrap your phone in it, and that will work too. And, more, and the more layers you use, the better. Okay, and then in part two, Alana Freeland talks about how to survive the smart cities. So, for those of you who don't know what they are, smart cities are like hubs of planned communities that the powers that shouldn't be are building, and it all kind of stems out of, or a lot of it stems out of the powers that shouldn't be belief that they know what's best for us, and that they, they know how to manage us best, and that we're imbeciles, we're we're stupid and we're just cattle and we're not capable of our own managing ourselves or looking after ourselves that they they need us they need or that sorry we need us they we need their like omniscience and their their guidance to keep us from going astray like the cattle that we are like that's their thinking and that's not true we're not cattle we're not we're not imbeciles. Human beings, like just on a, on a spiritual level, human beings are much loved by... I mean, yes, there are dark-sided entities out there, but there's also a lot of light-sided entities that love us and that have been helping us to develop for thousands of years. I mean, this is according to Rudolf Steiner. And, you know, they don't want to see us, you know, to failing or anything like that. They want us to continue... To develop as spiritual beings, and but that means that we kind of now they've they've stepped back and let us uh, so that we can learn to develop uh, ourselves. You know, but the whole notion that we're garbage, that we're nothing but meat suits, that we're just trash, planet eater eaters is wrong. Um, if anything, this is probably more of a projection on the powers that shouldn't be's part, but. It's not true of all of us, and yes, sometimes we, a lot of times we're imperfect, and we do things that hurt other people, and, and vice versa. But by and large, we have most people are well intentioned, and most people are good people, and it's just this, this really screwed up programming that tries to convince us that we're crap, 
uh, and that's not true. And so I just wanted to say that because there's a quote that relates to that at the beginning of part two, where it like it talks about you know how we need to be managed by these power by the powers that shouldn't be, which is fake. It's false. It's not. That's not true. That's just how they. That's what they think of it. Um, and actually, I have the quote with me. It, it was by Richard Lowen, Lowenton. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, from I think it's a book, The Doctrine of DNA Biology as Ideology. Uh, the no- notion that the lower classes are biologically inferior to the upper classes is meant to legitimate, legitim- legitimate, legitimate the structure of inequality in our society by putting a biological gloss on them. Public money has bought not scientific progress, but the domination of intellectual inquiry by entirely malevolent project conceived fully outside of science. And that's kind of what, and that, that's one of the opening quotes that Alana provides when, as Alana speaks about smart cities and what's happening because because smart cities are going to be like the kind of transhumanist hub for human beings, the concentration of energy and the concentration of all the um, kind of the chemtrails are over these smart city hubs because for 5G to constantly be working, the I, the air needs to be ionized so that there's like pathways and uh, just ways for the, the different beams and the different waves to move back and forth. And that's why if you live in a city and you notice, like you look up at the sky and you notice that it's kind of more of a milky white rather than like a nice blue color. And even, especially on a clear day because they're spraying so much, uh, I like I haven't seen a proper blue sky in a long time where I'm at. And that's because, you know, one of my city is is supposed to be a major smart city hub. And so it's the skies are constantly like a a white, milky white color. And that's because of all the crap that they're they're spraying so that they can have the smart city devices beaming their data back and forth to each other, as well as up into space and so on. And, and constantly, because if, if they're not spraying all the time, then it won't, it won't work all the time. So they have to do it all the time. But what that's, that's doing is also irradiating our skies and making us sick because it's both ionizing and non-ionizing radiation. And I've spoken about this before in previous podcasts uh, when I talked about Arthur Furstenberg's book as well as a few others. But what it is is just... Ionizing radiation is similar to like it's like the gamma rays, what you get from uh, being exposed to nuclear radiation, where our cells can break down. It could be pretty dramatic, and non-ionizing radiation can be just as dangerous, or is just as dangerous, especially at the levels that it's at now, because it blocks our mitochondria and it op- overwhelms our cells, so they can't uh, perform proper metabolism. And we don't get the energy that we need, and so we begin to get sick and die. So both forms of energy are dangerous. Like both forms of ionizing, ra- or sorry, both forms of radiation are dangerous. It's just the two of them take different. Um, they have kind of different. They fall under different categories. But what they're spraying in the sky, uh, it kind of it enables both both types of radiation just because of the composition of the chemtrails so we are being irradiated on both fronts both ionizing and non-ionizing radiation because of what is in the sky and this is what Alana Freeling has spoke about in her book as she talks about um, smart cities in chapter 8 and the reason for this is because the smart cities like they've already been they're already being built like the smart cities in my my area are already under construction, like they're already being built, and a lot of them are finished, almost finished, and there's sensors all over the place. There's some that I can see, but I think there's lots that I can't see. There's smart dust, there's all sorts of stuff. 
you know, uh, 5G sensors are here. Um, I think 6G is on its way, but the 5G is, is definitely here. And it is a matter of organizing to get rid of them, but that's another... I, I'm going to save that part till like, the last show that I do on the book. Uh, so this, these um, sensors, these transmitters, these antennas, the ionized sky... They're all over the place in these smart cities. And so that means that we're going to be, or we are being radiated with uh, uh, constantly. And the idea of these devices is to control our movements, or having these devices is to control our movements, to control our thoughts and moods, because especially with 5G, they can, they can beam 5G into a crowd and have them feeling happy, have them feeling depressed. They could get them uh, violent. Uh, they could have them hallucinate that they see a UFO in the sky when there's really nothing there. They can have them, you know, they can hit them with a chemical or hit them with uh, something biological as well and make make people sick. They can do it to individuals too. So, you know, sometimes I don't bring, a lot of times I don't bring my cell phone anymore. But because of 5G is so interconnected, even when I leave that at home, uh, and this is what Alana Freeland was saying in Chapter 8. Like, even if I leave the smart so the smartphone at home, if I'm in the direct line of sight of someone else's smartphone, I can still get hit by energy, an energy beam. I can still get hit with, like, a, a frequency for my mental, my moods. I can get, um, they can track me still because I'm, I'm in someone's phone. And you, you know how... Like you can't, you see all the time, like people are constantly, they have their faces in these stupid things and the phone is constantly up to the face. So, you know, even if they're just texting to their friends, because a lot of phones have cameras on the back and they, a lot of smartphones are also loaded with tons of sensors, tons of little sensors that can measure all sorts of stuff. So because of this, they can easily triangulate my movement, even if I don't have a smartphone on me and then they can easily... Like if they want to, they can easily target me. They can easily send a beam, or they could target anyone. So just because you know, I just because I don't have a smartphone on me doesn't mean because it's so interconnected. It does mean that they can still find people and uh, and track people even with the, without these devices. Like I suspect maybe it's a little tougher without if you don't have a smart device to find you. But like I said, if you're if you're surrounded by people that have them, you can still be beamed. You can still be tracked, especially if their phone, if you're directly in the line of sight of their phone. Uh, so that's just something that I found alarming in her book, and that made me pause to think as well, because it's it's really hard escaping from this stuff. You know, it's like we're we're in it, so it's just a matter of figuring out how to get out of it and how to tell people about it. Um, but there's that, that just kind of ring, that kind of brought home to me the fact that there is no running away. Like this is something that we're being confronted with at this time. And let's see, I just wanted to see if there's anything else that is I missed in chapter eight because it's kind of that was kind of part of the main thing I wanted to talk about chapter eight. Um, but then there's okay, so there's also chapter eight. Lana Freeland also kind of ta talks about the, again, the hexagram imagery with smart cities. And if you are living in a major city, you'll just start to notice, and you can even take photos and document it. Like, just start noticing, like, the the hexagonal imagery all over the place. They have a specific color pal palette, too. Like, it's magenta, blue, usually yellow. Like, these three colors are often seen together. And there's a few others, like some pinks and purples and stuff, but those are like kind of the main colors that you see a lot with these smart cities. And I guess it's marketing to make it look fun and interactive. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's really just, it's just putting perfume on a pig. Uh, and then you, s or you can see also, so there's different a color palette that you may start to notice. You may start to notice like the hexagonal imagery all over the place or the blocks like the the blocks stacking on top of each other because again when if you move the block a certain way it becomes it can become a, a, a hexagram or hexagon I should say and so you may start to notice that 
imagery. You might notice like high names like hive mind cafes and and beehive imagery all over the place as well. And that's just their symbols for the smart city because they want us all living in these little little hubs, these little hives. And normally I wouldn't have an issue with these. Like I I used to think maybe not smart cities, but I used to think that you know having communities that livable communities where people can live and work close to home and they have all their amenities i used to think that that was a a good idea and on paper it sounds like a good idea because it makes economic sense and so on but the just like with it every technology that they've put out pretty much has a dual use so while it looks all cool and, and and neat on the outside as this like planned community underneath it 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 is a militarized space it's militarized technology and that kind of segues, I mean, or it segues into the later part of Chapter 8 where uh, Alana Freeland also talks about how a lot of this, especially the directed energy weapons and the weapon, uh, the arm armed side of smart cities, a lot of that was heavily experimented on innocent people in the Middle East during the during those wars. And even before that, like the mustard gas and and then there's also Agent Orange in Vietnam. And there was a few other things throughout the wars, throughout like the Gulf, the Gulf Wars, and so on. They were used as a means for scientists and military people to experiment on populations because no one was really looking. So if they wanted to experiment and see what would happen if you dropped uh, depleted uranium on on innocent people in the Middle East, well, no one was looking, so they could do it, right? And see what happens. Or if you wanted, if, or if they wanted to uh, experiment with a directed energy weapon, then they could do that first in the Middle East, because again, no one's looking, and then eventually, you know, perfect it there, and then eventually bring it back here. So they they kill innocent people over there, and then they bring this back and they use it on us, and they usually categorize directed energy weapons under, uh, air quote, non-lethal weapons, which uh, I don't think, they're not really uh, part of the, and because they're called non-lethal weapons, I don't know if there's a lot of international laws around them right now. So, you know, they, they get, because it's underneath the name of non-lethal weapons, they get to experiment with these weapons on innocent people abroad and then bring those results back home and do the same thing here. So, you know, they can have, they can use the direct, the direct or non-lethal weapons they've developed on, on innocent people here as well, like at protests or in just, or not even at protests, just if they want to experiment and see what, you know, oh, what happens if we use 5G and get everyone feeling really bad about themselves and depressed will that cause suicides to go up and they did that once <laughs> it was in the book Alana's book they I can't remember what the town's name was but they experimented with uh mood altering frequencies and they in a U.S. town and uh, making everyone feel depressed or a lot of people in that town feeling depressed and then suicides went up and I'm just like this is disgusting Right, but they don't think like the powers that shouldn't be have a very cold outlook on morality. You know, they think it's someone else's problem. It's not their problem. They can do whatever they want. So it's this very cold way of looking, psychopathic way of looking at the world. So you know, as the average person would think that that's awful and horrific. You know, these the powers that shouldn't be just like meh, just part of doing business. You know, they don't care. You know, at least it becomes very apparent from reading through these chapters that they're not very concerned about the human toll or any sort of moral consequences or spiritual consequences of whatever it is that they're putting out into the world. And so I think that's really important to bear in mind that, yes, these people are capable of doing horrific things. And by keeping that in mind, we can then start to figure out ways to navigate through these these strange times and not um, you know get away from the thinking that they oh they would never do that yes they would uh, governments would do it big corporations would do it pharma big pharma definitely would do it um, 
So we just gotta come to terms with the fact that these people are capable of atrocious, atrocious, atrocious things, and to think that they won't exercise these weapons, or they aren't already exercising these weapons in smart cities is, uh, it's naive. They would, uh, and and that's kind of also what chapter nine talks about. Is it continuate like chapter seven, eight, and nine go to kind of go together, especially with the smart cities. And how they're and just driving home the fact that smart cities are a dual use city where yes it'll be planned and coordinated, but under that is complete military and technological control of the people living in this in those cities. You know, and that's probably why there's a lot of like fires and natural disasters in more rural communities because they're trying to get everyone into the smart cities so that they can better manage us. Um, even though they can use satellites and still beam down and control urban areas as well, or, or sorry, rural areas as well, like, yes, yes, urban, but rural, even though they can already do that, but they just want everyone in these smart cities, in these tiny little condos that are, are rentals, they're nothing, you won't own anything, everything will be leased and rented. You won't own anything uh, in a smart city. It's all designed to be rental and lease. And they're really pushing for uh, public transportation and you know, bicycle. And those things aren't bad in themselves, but you know, you won't see too many. If they have their way, you won't see too many personal vehicles or anything like that. <clears throat> It'll be all be technology that's owned and controlled by the powers that shouldn't be and we just rent it so it's like a smart city is a the same thing as a neo uh, feudal fe or feudalism back or it's like neo feudalism like back in the the day where you had uh, a lord or a lady a baroness or, or a king and then you had all like the serfs and uh, and people that had to serve them and then even then like underneath the kings you still had a noble set of families those those would probably be like the equivalent to the managers the managerial gerial class that's tasked to administer the smart cities and then there and then, and then everyone else is just the serfs or where they're harvesting our data they're harvesting our thoughts and moves or, and moods to move us towards human 2.0 <clears throat> so it's really important to think about these things and really important to start thinking about the technology that we use right now as a dual-use technology because a lot of it has come out of the military and yes a lot of it is um i mean i'm not saying that all of it's bad that we completely shun it there's i mean i'm using a microphone and a voice recorder and a, and a camera and so on and i have a computer i'm just saying that a lot of the smart technology especially the smart technology is dual use. Yes, it's supposed to be convenient, but it's convenience at the cost of our health. But then it's also underneath that convenience, it has a very dark military side that's about control uh, and transhumanism and geoengineering. And so I think that's just really important <clears throat> to bear this in mind. And slowly but surely, they are trying to take away our choice not to interact with this stuff because... Uh, I don't know about where you're at, but here in Canada, the <clears throat> the government just rolled out the digital ID, and that's something that's big, and it's not something that I see talked about a lot in the quote-unquote resistance. It's still just talking about uh, medical freedom, but if we're not careful with those digital IDs and just the whole geoengineering, it won't matter. Even if you're not vaccinated, all they have to do is spray the crap in the skies, and boom, you got it. Right, so even if you somehow manage to avoid the poke, you still have nanoparticles in you, and then they can just find another way to deliver the vi the the so-called jabs. Like they can put in the food, they can ge genetically modify it, they could put it in the skies, they could put it in <clears throat> the smart dust delivery systems. They can do all sorts of stuff. So we got it. I think it's really important just to yes, it's important and being aware of medical. Uh, you know, people being able to have autonomy over the medical 
choices, but it doesn't stop there. There's a bigger picture going on. So, and I think, you know, Alana Freeling's book has done a nice job of presenting a lot of really important information about the big picture, which is the geoengineering transhumanism. And I think it's just really important to start thinking about the thinking about what's going on in a system systems way, like a, a cybernetic way, rather than just like one little part. Um, and that's what I hope. That's kind of what the, the the three chapters I've read has driven home to me is that the smart cities are like this a system, a technological system of behavior management, scientific management, and uh, brain, military, brain control, brain computer interface, and so on. Like this, It's this whole system. And by only concentrating on one variable of that system, you miss the rest of it. And I think it's understanding the whole picture that's going to help us, that will help us figure out how we get out of this. Because it's already here. These smart cities are already being built. And so it's a matter of trying to figure out, like I said before, trying to figure out how to remain conscious and how to remain humans in among these spider beings, these spider entities. Um, and I think the smart city and the dual-use technology is like a manifestation of that. Uh, so that with that being said, that's pretty much the, the summary I wanted to give for these three chapters. They... Like I know, I mean, I could go so in depth with these, but the the real, I think you'll get even more information and more meaning by reading uh, these books as, on your on your own as well. And I highly encourage that. I highly encourage uh, trying to find these books at your local bookstore. And again, I'll provide links so you can order if you want to order a copy of Alana's uh, book, Geoengineering Transhumanism, or if you want to check out her other works. And I hope that this, but what I hope is that this podcast, um, you know, what I do is when I find useful information in these books, like to share it with people, uh, and, and also to, you know, maybe be some, a medium that encourages and inspires people to read and inspires people to, um, you know, think of spiritual, you know, connect with your spiritual thinking and connect with your consciousness and so on. And uh, with all that being said, next week I'm going to continue with the with part, I guess this would be, next week will be part three. So it's either going to be part three or the conclusion, depending on how far I get in the book. And, and then after that, my, the next book I want to focus on is the on, on the holographic universe. That will be coming up after geoengineering. And with all that being and I know I've said that three times, <laughs> Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend, uh, an amazing week, and thank you for stopping by the cafe. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.